What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Tuesday, May 25th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where, like Andrew Yang, our favorite subway stop in New York is Times Square, and our favorite place in New York is the M&M store in Times Square. Yeah, and our favorite drink in New York is hot dog water. Mm -hmm. That is what I start every day in the Big Apple with. (laughs) On today's show, the death of George Floyd one year later. Floyd was killed on May 25, 2020, by now former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin. Chauvin was convicted on two counts of murder and one count of manslaughter and awaits sentencing. And today, George Floyd's friends and family will gather in South Minneapolis at 1 p.m. local time for a public memorial. And then a candlelit vigil will be held later tonight at the site he was killed. But over the past year, Floyd's death became a focal point for activists around the world to demand that their own local police departments reform, be defunded, or abolished completely. Yeah, so we wanted to revisit with a local organizer in Minneapolis who we've talked to before and who has continued to work on this issue, Aluchi Omioga. They're a co-creator of Black Visions Collective, a Black-led grassroots organization that centers on Black, queer, and trans people in the Twin Cities. Welcome back. Yeah, great to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, great to talk again. So the last time that we checked in, you made some big gains in organizing and protesting. On a personal level, what was one of your biggest victories? I think one of my biggest victories personally was honestly... um, getting my parents to talk about abolition. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, like, yeah, I remember organizing in, like, 2015 around Jamar Clark in Minneapolis, and my parents were very much so, like, why are you doing this? Like, what are you doing? All of these things, you know, immigrant parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this time around, they kind of just expected me to, like, be doing work and being out there um, and, like, having really dope conversations about, like, what is life beyond policing actually look like and is that actually possible? So that's probably one of my biggest accomplishments and also just navigating a lot of change in a shorter period of time. Yeah, I went through a lot as far as just like call outs from the left and the right um, and just like mm-hmm. really being grounded in what, what are the values and what is the abolition, abolitionist vision that we're actually thinking about. And um, since we last talked, I mean, a lot of things have happened, but one of them was that, you know, Derek Chauvin was convicted of all the three charges that he faced the most serious being second-degree murder. And during that trial, uh, Minneapolis Police Department leaders, I think, quite noticeably distanced themselves from Chauvin's actions. Um, The sentencing is scheduled to take place next month, and the trial of the other officers on the scene during Floyd's death will be starting soon as well. But how did you feel about the actual result of the Chauvin trial? I have a lot of thoughts around it. Um, I think that it is a tool to continue to uphold the system of policing mm. of like saying, Oh, we convicted this one person. Mm-hmm. So now the, the system is going to be fixed. And like, now there's a precedent that was set. Right. Um, so in that instance, I think, yes, we are making some type of progress. Mm. Um, after 
um, cases like Mike Brown, after cases like Tamir Rice, after cases like Jamar Clark, Philando Castile, where we didn't see convictions, we didn't even see charges happening. Like, this is progress, and I'm not going to take that from the family of George Floyd, the people of Minneapolis. But I do think that there needs to be more that's happening other than the conviction of officers. Right. Um, because just convicting officers is going to perpetuate the same systems mm -hmm. that we are in right now. So, like, what more are we doing to make sure that George Floyd does not happen again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting and correct point, I think. I mean, it is not a, a situation where we're talking about bad apples. We're talking about a spoiled bunch. Yeah. And so I think that once we get to the point where we're actually having those conversations and seeing those changes, you know, it might be easier to have a sense of where we're headed versus, you know, just sort of one at a time figuring out who's doing the wrong stuff. Exactly. Um, totally. I mean, keeping with George Floyd's uh, death and all of that, you know, shortly after he died, the calls to defund or reform the police were incredibly loud. There was public support for the BLM movement, uh, and it reached a real peak I would say around this time last year. Is that public sentiment still there in Minneapolis among the people? Do you feel that energy from the politicians and even a little bit from the police themselves? Like, how would you sort of characterize it? Yeah, I do think that um, there's a wave to social movements as like, like we see right now. For example, right now, Palestine is very, very, very up and foremost in the, in the conversations. And we know that this conversation within Palestine has been happening for at least 70 years, right? But there's yeah. ebbs and flows to people's participation. And also, quite literally, people lose interest in things very quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that there's a very strong fight and voice in Minneapolis to change the system of policing. Um, and I also think that people are scared, right? Mm -hmm. North Minneapolis is facing a lot of violence, a lot of gun violence, right? Mm -hmm. um, there was just a six-year-old that was killed in North Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we get scared, we go back to what we know. Yeah. And like people are like saying, oh, well, the gun violence is because of people calling for defunding the police. That's actually not true. Yeah. Um, police <laughs> don't prevent these crimes from happening. Right. Police have never prevented these crimes from happening. But what we actually have to talk about is what are the reasons why this is happening? Mm -hmm. what like, why don't we have gun control? Why don't we have mm -hmm. um, systems in which folks can actually express harm in ways that are not violent towards others? Mm -hmm. um, so when, as we're talking about it, I know that the sentiment that the right wants to put in or the pro-police wants to put in is that the rise in crime is happening because of the call to defund police. <laughs> yeah, but they haven't been defunded. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I mean, if it's weird. What would they do with that money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, we just have to make sure that like, we are moving past fear because change is going to be uncomfortable. Transformation is always uncomfortable. People don't lose 100 pounds by just sitting down and doing nothing, right? right? Like, to change anything is going to require work. It's going to require work that is not going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So how are we able to like, sit in the comfortability to actually create a vision that like, all of us are actually safe? That's right. I mean, that's just going to take time. But to answer your question, I do think that the voice to change our public safety system is still as loud as it was. Um, it's really confusing because it's happening in such a, an interesting time as well. Yeah. Yeah. And on the reform front too, uh, more than 30 states and many more local governments have passed some sort of uh, quote unquote police reform over the past year. But when it comes to actual defunding, as we were talking about, um, a Bloomberg News report from January found that if you sum up all the budget changes, American cities slightly increased uh, what yeah. they gave to police. So what positives and negatives have you seen come out of attempts to uh, defund or actually reform the police on 
various local levels. When I think about defunding, the most impressive things that I've seen is like changing functionality, right? So like it's good, those are gonna be really slow too. It's like, how do you actually take functions that the police are doing and just completely get rid of it? Right. Um, so in Minneapolis, mental health responders are actually getting an invest in their funding as well. So like mm. non-threatening, non-life-threatening like medical issues, those are actually gonna go um, to non-police staff. Wonderful. So like the functionality piece, taking functionalities from the police, is like one of the most impressive ways that I've seen to like actually take functionality and then also take um, investment in the police of how do we actually think of alternatives. There's another 911 task force that's happening in Minneapolis around what is a, uh, an alternative to 911 right. so that we just don't have to call the police for everything. Yeah. Um, and that's going to definitely decrease the amount that people are relying on the police as well. That's right. And then, like, beyond the local level, it seems like what is going on in D.C. is a totally different story, um, maybe as it always is, you know? Like, Congress has struggled to get consensus on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. It's not expected to pass by today, as President Biden had hoped. Uh, but yet, you know, lawmakers of all stripes have used George Floyd's name in various different mm -hmm. ways for a number of different causes. Um, what do you make of that. Yeah, I mean, national politics always follows local politics. I don't expect anything amazing to ever come out of D.C. until it comes out of like places like Atlanta or Greensboro or Charlotte or Durham, right, or Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm not surprised about the lack of urgency that our national lawmakers have. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. I think that like national politics really, it is slower and it takes mm -hmm. more time and more resources, yet it's actually like less impactful too, mm -hmm. uh, which is why mm -hmm. I think that we need to have a very deep investment into local politics. Um, and through that, then having a big impact through state politics, and then that'll also bleed into national politics as yeah, well. For sure. Yeah. And as an organizer, you know, what are some of your plans to keep momentum going in Minneapolis on police reform specifically, on defunding? No matter how far out we are from George Floyd's death, this is obviously something that still affects us. So, yeah. so where are you at with that? Yeah, so one tactic that we're using um, is a tactic that's been employed in the, the Global South and the, um, the U.S. South called the People's Movement Assemblies. Um, so people's movement assemblies are just a way of getting folks together to talk about like what are some issues that we're having in community on a very hyper local level and what are the solutions towards those. So they have deep grassroots organizing pieces. They have deep political alignment and political education. Um, and we're actually doing those. Black Visions is doing those this year That's right. um, to talk about like what does public safety look like on a Minneapolis level and then what do we actually see and how are those different mm. and how do we get to a point where we're like creating the vision that we're coming up together as a community. Um, so I think like for me, I always say that the job of an organizer is to make people dream of a world that does not exist yet. So it's really science fiction work. So like how are we continuing to instill the vision, the hope, the promise of a better world for people? Because once people realize that what we have is not what it is, they're going to try to build a new world yeah. um, that is actually possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And you know, finally here, um, we obviously know that, you know, killing of black people by police has continued to happen, will continue to happen. So for listeners out there who want to keep pressure going on their own local law enforcement agencies, what is your advice to them on sort of staying strong through the politics and the pushback of all of this? Yeah, I think grassroots organizations are very key, very important. So who are the, the people that are doing the work in your area on a local level? Because there is in Oakland and Chicago and L.A., there are people that are doing local 
defund work and local abolitionist work. So who are those folks that are doing that work in the areas that you live in and investing in that? Invest on a local level where you are um, because that's going to make a difference, especially as we're talking about other cities and other cities are coming together thinking about what they're doing. Um, so like, yeah, just investing on a local level is what I would recommend for anyone. Follow Black-led organizations that are doing really dope work. Follow um, organizations that are BIPOC, so Black, Indigenous, people of color mm -hmm. that are doing really amazing work. If you have a specific like movement or target area, for example, like decriminalizing sex work, there's like sex workers organizing projects all over the country. Mm -hmm. If you're doing labor organizing, there are labor organizations that you can follow. Um, and all of that intersects into policing because if we spent mon less money on policing, we could spend more money on other things like right. mm -hmm. paying people a livable wage. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at like renters' rights or houselessness issues, that also intersects with policing as well mm -hmm. when we think about the criminalization of houseless people. So just understanding and knowing that everything intersects. And if you are interested in something, that intersects with policing in a very, very real way. Yeah, yeah I think that makes a lot of sense and is great perspective. So thank you so much, Aluchi, for uh, joining us again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate y'all. And if you want to check out more of what they're working on, we can link to it in our show notes. And that is the latest for now. Tuesday Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we are addressing some of the most explosive paparazzi snaps in recent history, which seem to show Taika Waititi, Rita Ora, and Tessa Thompson in an elusive three-way celebrity makeout outside of Waititi's house. Mm. To parse out the relationships here, Ora and Waititi are dating news to me. And Thompson is one of the stars of Thor Love and Thunder, which Waititi is directing. Of course, most of us normal people can only dream of being this liberated. We're angry at the photographers for their invasion of privacy and criminal vibe killing, but we're also <laughs> pathologically unable to discuss what is happening here. So Giddy, what's your reaction? Mm, I have many. Uh, one I would note, in addition to what has been said here, <laughs> is that in some of the images, there appear to be at least two other people that are sort of in close proximity to this throuple, yeah. if you will. <laughs> yeah, who are they? Uh, <laughs> throuple. Who, who are they? Why are they there? If this is an intimate moment of sorts, what is their relationship to everybody else who is there? Right. Um, if this is a bit and, you know, the wool has been pulled over our eyes and we are just uh, giving tons of free promo to Thor, Love and Thunder, and I guess Rita Ora's music, <laughs> if it exists currently i mean yeah dude <laughs> you're not wrong like who is her agent she just keeps going and i've never heard a single song <laughs> i i do not i'm not familiar with uh the discography um yeah i would like some investigative journalism on on those uh individuals as well but yeah, what about you? Um, I just thought it was a really sexy series of images. Good for them. You know, for them, the pandemic is very much over. Mm -hmm. They're just out here sharing spit in public. So, you know, maybe that is the hope for the future that we've been looking for. Yeah, this is actually a vaccination campaign in disguise. If you <laughs> get vaccinated, you can kiss multiple people in one setting. Yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. And just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Hopefully you get to make out with Taiko TT too. Mm -hmm. And we'll be back after some ads. <laughs> What a Day is brought to you by Monarch Money. 
Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. Really just makes it easy. After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, Okay. This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Myanmar's ousted civilian leader Aung San Suu Kyi was at a court hearing yesterday in her first in-person appearance since her arrest at the start of the military coup. Suu Kyi and members of her Democratic Party were arrested after they won a landslide election in February. She now faces a range of charges, the most serious being the violation of a colonial-era official secrets law. Suu Kyi's lawyer said she wants protesters in Myanmar to know that she still stands by them. At this point, 800 protesters and bystanders in the country have been killed by the military since February. Also yesterday, local authorities arrested an American journalist working for a Burmese publication while he was getting ready to leave the country. Danny Fenster was detained at the Yangon airport for reasons undisclosed. The U.S. State Department said that they are currently monitoring the situation. Mm. 
Several big updates to the story on Belarus intercepting a Ryanair flight to detain an opposition journalist. Belarusian state media released a very unsettling video of detained journalist Roman Protasevich yesterday, in which he says he has, quote, no health problems and confesses to charges of organizing the anti-government protests in Minsk last year. Protasevich appeared on tape with visible marks on his forehead and was fidgeting nervously with his hands, leading many supporters to think he made the video under duress. EU leaders agreed on sanctions against Belarus, including an all-out ban on the use of the entire bloc's airspace until Protasevich is released. The CEO of Ryanair accused Belarus of state-sponsored piracy. Protasevich is a notable critic of Alexander Lukashenko, Belarus's longtime authoritarian president. Scary stuff. The past few weeks have seen announcements for post-vax concerts, festivals, and sports, but there hasn't been much to get excited about for diehard fans of corporate trade shows. That might change after World of Concrete kicks off in two weeks in Las Vegas. Let's go! Marking the first (laughs) in-person trade show in America since the pandemic started. Trade shows are a major industry in Las Vegas, bringing in about $11 billion annually. If things go well with World of Concrete, which serves concrete and masonry industries and usually draws between 50 and 60,000 people, duh, it will be good news for tourism facing Vegas businesses, which will be able to look confidently into the future and see massive crowds of people in khakis wearing lanyards. Some casinos in the city are now back up and running at 100% capacity after focused efforts to vaccinate workers. Larry Flint's Hustler Casino made headlines for organizing a vaccine clinic at a strip club, officially putting the bodies in antibodies. I... I'm canceled, and I will see myself out of this podcast. Goodbye. It's been a good run. Oh, wow. Well, you know, what a great reason to get canceled. Uh, So (laughs) Gen Z has finally gone insane with power, and no one is safe. Mm -mm. They turned a 17-year-old's birthday party into a three-day mini-purge last weekend, which has led to almost 200 arrests in Huntington Beach, California. Hmm. The event was called Adrian's Kickback, and it was (laughs) supposed to draw a reasonable crowd of friends from school. Then a TikTok invitation to the party went viral, leading to almost 280 million impressions on the Adrian's Kickback hashtag and drawing a buzzing swarm of teens to the Queen Bee that we now know as Adrian. Uh, At least 2,500 people showed up in Huntington Beach on Saturday night, leading police to declare the crowd an unlawful assembly. The crackdown only led to escalation, with some partiers smashing squad car windshields and throwing bottles at officers. Adrian had already moved the official site of the party to a venue in Los Angeles, so he wasn't even in Huntington Beach. Mm. Of course, it's an earth-shaking flex not to show up to your own pre-apocalyptic birthday riot. It is, but my promise is at the WAD kickback, I will be there. Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I will be in attendance. (laughs) Those are the headlines. One more thing before we go. This week on America Dissected, host Abdul El-Sayed is joined by Professor Ibram Kindi to discuss the presence of systemic racism in the American healthcare system and what steps it will take to root it out. Listen to new episodes of America Dissected every Tuesday. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, visit the lovely Times Square subway stop, and tell your friends to listen. <laughs> and if you're into reading and not just invites to Adrian's past, present, and future kickbacks like me, what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And we'll, and we'll see, see you at, at World, World of, of Concrete. Concrete. Yeah, we love it there. Everything is concrete. It is. We <laughs> love building. We love concrete. Yeah. We just love construction. It's great. <laughs> what a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. 
As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.